Hey friends, you know what I don't miss at all? That vicious week before the period. Feeling like I'm ready to crawl out of my skin, irritated by everything and everyone around me. Bouncing between cravings for salty foods and sweets and back again. Now it's easier to manage PMS with EstroControl from Happy Mammoth. EstroControl contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a menstruating person's life. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what people mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Happy Mammoth products, including EstroControl. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today. This is Including You, the new series from Lead at Any Level. Including You features stories from chief diversity officers and other executives who are creating inclusive cultures in their organizations. Our goal is to show what's working in companies just like yours, to give you the tools you need to keep pushing for progress in your own workplace. We want to create belonging and opportunity for everyone, including you. And now here's your host, Amy C. Wanninger. Welcome back to Including You. I'm your host, Amy C. Wanninger, the Inclusion Catalyst. My guest today is Samira Abdul-Karim. She's the CEO of Hyphens and Spaces, which leverages diversity, builds equity, and cultivates inclusion for people in organizations that are committed to social justice. The firm has 10 staff members, and it's remote first, so they're located all over the country. Samira, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Amy. I'm so excited to talk to you. I always love talking to other practitioners in this space. My first question is a selfish one. I like to know how companies got their names. Can you tell me where the name Hyphens and Spaces came from? Certainly. Honestly, it came from a little bit of angst at first. Like I grew up in this country and in the U.S., a lot of our identities are connected with hyphens. So I am a Black American Muslim woman. There's a lot of hyphens in between the, those identities. And when I was growing up, I presented that idea of, oh, I have to, I'm not just this thing. I have to qualify my Americanness. But as I grew and as I aged, I actually found it really beautiful that I could have all of these things be a part of one thing that made me up. And I wanted then to when we're thinking about creating hyphens and spaces, I wanted to create an, orga an organization that people felt like those identities were something to celebrate rather than some augmentation of some other kind of purity, pure truth. We're all, we all have these hyphens and we wanted to create a, a space for those hyphens to show up. And I think there's a beauty in naming the hyphens and in celebrating them and recognizing them and owning them. And I think a lot of folks miss that in in trying to downplay their identities or not embracing their history or not embracing how we came to be in this place in, in this time together. And I know in, in a lot of uh, white communities, we don't always know 
where we came from. We don't always know that history because it's never been demanded of us to produce it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But once when you can reckon with that truth or you can celebrate that truth, it becomes a much different conversation. It does. I love how you put that, that you can, in some ways, the hyphens are an opportunity to deepen an understanding of self and a connection to others. So each one of those identity factors that you have connects you to a, like a new community that you mm-hmm. are bringing with you everywhere you go. And I hear you around like white folks, not that not being demanded. And there's like some beauty in the opportunity of exploring and owning of the multiple cultures <laughs> that are a part of what's been labeled white identity. Living Corporate is brought to you by Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program. It's incredible. Okay, so first off, you didn't know, Rosetta Stone is a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They have fast language acquisition, meaning you're actually going to pick up the language because it's going to provide an immersive experience for you through their program. Speech recognition gives you a trainer for your accent. Convenient, right? You can use it on your computer. You can use it on your phone. Incredible value. Lifetime membership has all languages for any and all trips or language needs in life. That's lifetime access to 25 language courses Rosetta Stone's offers for 50% off. That's a steal, y'all. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Living Corporate listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com backslash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com backslash today, today. We are all a distillation of a lot of different moments in time. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of different communities that, that kind of culminate in us. So thank you for making space for that in your organization and in this conversation. I appreciate that so much. So I'm curious, the organizations that you work with are primarily those that are committed to social justice. And I know you've got clients in a lot of different spaces, but why, first of all, the obvious answer question is why does inclusion matter in those organizations? But I think the parallel question to that is if organizations say that they're committed to social justice. Why is it that they're still struggling with inclusion? Yes. And because we're still humans, <laughs> we're still humans, human in together <laughs> and trying to figure it out um, to answer your second question. And the first one, like the organizations that um, we chose to work with social justice and social cause organizations, because we felt like there was an already inherent under understanding of the necessity for DEIB work within that world. Not, not that it's not relevant to a lot of different types of organizations. If you have people, I think it's a relevant conversation for you, but there's like a take it for granted, like in order even to reach our outcomes and to achieve what we're trying to achieve in the world, we have to consider equity and we have to consider how we're engaging with people and who we're engaging with. And that's what the essence of what diversity, equity, inclusion is sorry, the power and how that's playing out in the interaction that we have. So I think it's a little bit selfish too, because I was like working in DEI for a long time. And I was like, so tired of making the business case. I'm so tired of making the business case. (laughs) Like it felt like a, such an obvious thing for me. And I wanted to be willing to work with organizations who also had that kind of, yes, this is a taken for granted necessity, and what we can spend time then with is focusing on the, the spe- 
specificity for why this is important to you and how that is articulated for your work and for your communities and for your constituents and the how, what are we actually doing? That's where like the energy comes from me and from my team is like an implementation and actually bringing transformation forth. It seems like to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like to me that a lot of organizations, when they do the work for others, it is hard for them, uniquely difficult for them to apply those same principles internally. For example, I have friends who run marketing companies and they are brilliant at doing marketing work for others. But then when you ask them to tell you what their brand statement is, or you go look at their website, or you read their own marketing copy, it's like the brilliance kind of falls apart when it's applied to self. And I've worked with some organizations that are not-for-profit that are kind of social justice-oriented organizations, and they can see the out-there implications of the work that they do and why it's necessary. But then when it's time to look inward, all of a sudden, it's really hard for them to see or understand or apply. Do you find that's true with your clients sometimes? Sometimes for sure. And that's often why they're seeking external support. And that's, and that again, it's not a criticism. That's a human thing. Like our coaches and our therapists have coaches and therapists. Like we just, we just have certain things that we can't see ourselves and then having a third party to give us perspective and advice and to partner with us and moving things forward is helpful. And it, and it, and it also is like the kind of inherent benefit of diversity and inclusion. You having, you can do things better with others than you can yourself. The outcomes are better. So I find that like clients do so a lot of times struggle, particularly with their internal dynamics and as leaders and considering really, I'm trying so hard. Why is my team still feeling disgruntled? Why is there still conflict? Why is there still um, communication lapses and so forth? And when we have all these mechanisms, and ultimately it's often some unmet need, some unawareness of the the needs of others that we just haven't built a a capacity to to automatically know. And that is not, again, not a criticism. It's actually how our systems were designed. We weren't, we were, our systems and our organizations have been defined for efficiency, for financial progress, for like to, to be formulaic. You do this, you have that output. That's not how humans are. We are not formula, <laughs> we are complex, we are dynamic, and DIB work is not efficient. It is up and down, it's slow sometimes, it's challenging sometimes, it, it, and it's effective, but that might mean you need to sacrifice some time or, or effort or attention to make that go well. And sometimes even just being aware of some of the DEIB issues or nuances can almost make it feel like you're going backward. Because you start to see problems where you didn't see problems before. Now people are saying, we have all these problems. And a year ago on the survey or in the focus groups, none of that came up. So it almost looks like you're going backwards for a time until you can really leap forward. And I'm curious, when you go into an organization and they're having these human issues, these human miscommunications, missteps, misunderstandings, inefficiencies, talking past each other, what are some of the solutions that you bring to help them move past that? 
First, I think just to your first point around folks are now, it seems like the consultant come and bring problems. (laughs) And what's what's closer to the reality is that we are unearthing things that were already there. You probably hadn't heard about these things because you weren't asking about them or there wasn't space for people to describe what was going on for them. But it doesn't mean that that wasn't what's going on for them. And that particularly oftentimes it's the people that experience the most marginalization generally in society that are holding the compromise, the discomfort, the angst that comes along with within with systems that are inequitable or not as inclusive as they could be. So the solutions then that we think through are first earthing them. Let's hear what's actually going on because that gives you an opportunity to address it. And usually addressing it is actually not that difficult <laughs> in terms of what it, in terms of the understanding what the need is. And sometimes it does take some work to rearrange our systems to make that need uh, met ongoingly. So it could be just as simple as like in our meetings, I, I like there's no space for me as an introvert, uh, for me as a junior staff member, for me as a person with an accent to actually be able to communicate because we're, we just do a general open brainstorm where everybody just expected to jump in that's not the way I communicate, right? So it could the the resolution could just be like we're changing the way to have our meeting style. We have an we have a session a time where we just take five minutes to process and reflect on a question before we brainstorm. And rather than having everybody just jump in, we go one round where everybody shares their perspectives and then we open up to the floor. That's a really simple tweak <laughs> to have, but makes a huge difference for somebody that did not feel access to that space before. And not only then does that person have a different experience, but the whole team now has a benefit of this person's perspective and input that you didn't have. So that is the benefit of leveraging inclusion and and is is not only for everybody, the touchy feelings, everybody feels great. There's a reason you wanted diverse perspectives. And if you're not creating space to actually access them, then you're losing out institutionally. This podcast, Living Corporate, it's brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with the audience, and sell anything from products to content to time, all in one place on your terms. Let me tell you something. Y'all might not know this, but Living Corporate, we started our whole journey on Squarespace. My website. ZacharyNunn.com, it's on Squarespace. I can't tell you how much I appreciate its fluid engine, the ability to create world-class templates and design. It's very intuitive, incredible. We have custom merch through our Squarespace. We have an incredible asset library, so I can always mix it up, switch and swap. It's super dope. And the fact that you can host all types of content, video, audio, all types of media, you can put all on your Squarespace. I can't recommend it enough. If you want to learn more, about Squarespace, check out squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Again, that's squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Exactly. I always see two problems in organizations. The first is They want people to think outside of the box, but they only hire people that check all the boxes. Mm -hmm. So they have to come from this school, this or this kind of background, this kind of thing. They have to meet all these criteria. 
and you get somebody that fits in all these boxes and then you want them to think outside of it. It's very difficult. Uh, that's the first barrier. The second barrier is usually, well, we have diverse perspectives, but only the same three people's voices are ever heard. And I think that making space, you're not benefiting from having diverse perspectives. And then also you're driving the people out that could really be the ones that contribute the most to your organization by not giving them the space. Totally. Yeah, I think, and I think you're, you pointed out a really important thing here because when we're thinking about the intervention of the appropriate intervention, when it comes to an, an organization, there are separate diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, there are separate terms for a reason, justice, accessibility, and so forth, because they are addressing different dynamics. What the, I just described around the meeting, we might find the reason that we have to unearth and ask and get curious is because we're trying to appropriately problem set so that we can problem solve. So if that inside that scenario, inclusion was the problem. And we might find in another scenario that you mentioned, we actually have this really great meeting structure where everybody gets to have input and so forth. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says. These three people's voices are the ones that are heard and taken up. That's no longer an inclusion issue. That's an equity issue. Now the ways that power distributed are not equitable across the organization and certain people's voices count more than others. So that could be a structural intention. Like you have, there's a matter of authority, but if that is not transparent, that creates in a system of inequity. So all I have to say is that we are really seeking to understand what the core of it is. So that process of like discovery and asking, it can't be skipped over. And I love what you said earlier about there's no shame in asking for help. I think a lot of organizations feel like if they hire a consultant, they're admitting something, right? Now that all of a sudden it's going to, well, people are going to sue us for not having done this sooner, or they're going to sue us for not being inclusive, or they're going, people are going to start talking about what, what did so-and-so do? And there's always that moment where you have to say, look, nobody did anything wrong. We're just trying to get better here. Yes. And yes. Shout out my rooftops. <laughs> <laughs> Shout it out, Amy. Yes. Like it's, and it's interesting because the way that folks think about DIB work, sometimes it, it maybe that's because it's overlapping or because it feels newer to the corporate space. It, it it doesn't seem like that there's not like this automatic, like I'm seeking expertise in it. Well, if you were hiring a marketing director, you would seek somebody who had experience with marketing. <laughs> but like for DEI, sometimes they're like, oh no, it's everybody's responsibility, which it is. And not everybody has the experience and skills and like has developed the skill set to be able to lead that work effectively. So hiring an expert outside expert or an internal person that has that practice is just a matter of leveraging the skill set that's necessary to make this work more effective. There is nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and usually there's a lot wrong. You just don't know it. <laughs> It's not like one incident. It's not one newsworthy incident. It's a whole bunch of little stuff that that really, the longer you sweep it under the rug, the bigger it gets. Yes. And so if we can just d deal with it. So I'm curious when you're working with clients, what kind what kinds of results are you seeing with them? When you go in, you listen, you find out what the, what's going on, what's really going on. You propose the interventions, they adopt them. What kind of change do they see as a result of that? A lot of times the the measures that we're looking at are around interpersonal interaction. So that's like trust. That's the voice, 
like I have, I recognize and feel like I have voice to be able to share and to look up. communication. I understand, I know, and I now understand what's going on. So communication and transparency are, are linked there. Decision-making, I have access to and understand what that, what the decision-making process is. And I know what my role is in that. So those are some of the kind of interpersonal things that we're looking at. Now, if we're also interested in diversity, that is all a matter of numbers, who is there and who is not, right? So if, you know, your efforts um, and your interventions were focused on diversifying folks around in certain levels or in certain departments or something across certain demographic categories, you're just looking at who's here and who's not and what are the barriers before those folks that you want here to, to be here and to thrive and so forth. And now when you're looking at equity, the measures have more to do with the experience of being of and the results of what is going what is the what happens as an outcome for people on the flip side so now we might be if your if your efforts were around like your client outcomes now we're a matter of of seeing has all of our efforts actually then allowed us to serve people in this community more versus that so you and those are things are tracked over time so the kinds of results that all that to say is those are the measures that we use and the kinds of results that we see with clients are upticks in people's ability to have, feel like they have trust and, or unfortunately, sometimes downticks in people feeling like they can have trust. For example, if we ask for feedback, we tried it and we, we maybe try to implement an intervention, but let's say the organization's plans change and they cut short that intervention, that like committing to something and then backing out has you lose trust. So you might see that thing happen as well. But for the most part, the organizations that I work with are often like they can they follow through on their commitment and that increases trust. Um, we also might see that there's an, more of an interest uh, in the folks that apply to the organization. You're diversifying your client, your um, applicant base that I've seen that result happen. And then one of the results that I find really effective is on, around the programs. Like we found that we just weren't getting any applicants to our grant, for example, that were institutions that, you know, under under $500,000 who, who earned under $500,000 a year. We only had these kind of larger institutions applying for our grants. Um, but the ways that we changed our grant process, the ways that we have communicated transparency to our criteria has allowed for us to increase the, the, the number of grants and then actually award grants to institutions that are more um, vulnerable to not being able to survive. So the overall, more effective, <laughs> more better results for what you want. That's what we see. And I find it interesting that your focus is really on internal dynamics. But for these organizations that are focused on social justice, when they improve their internal dynamics, their ability to deliver on their mission actually improves. Yeah, 100%. So like that example around like grants, that is like the organization that I was working with at the time, that they were a grant, they provided grants to different institutions. So their whole, like that was their business <laughs> essentially, but they weren't serving who they are aiming to serve. Or they found that there was a limit in who they were actually reaching with the, there's like only institutions that had professional grant writers already on staff. That's not who they were really aiming to serve. And there was a whole population that that wasn't, didn't have access to their funds. At a hundred percent, the bringing the internal consciousness to this work is so especially in kind of social justice, social cause organizations allows the individuals within those institutions to then bring that same mindset to the work that they do and they can carry, it can carry forward. It's a, but I will say it's a both and. Um, it's not an automatic a lot of times where like, oh, now that my team is more aware, we can auto, like 
we've solved the problem. Like we don't have to focus on our external work. Um, but just like you have internal systems that can facilitate or constrain people's ability to to fully participate, your external systems can do the same thing. So it, the, the importance is to build and what we try to focus on is the capacity building to recognize the patterns that create bot that 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 allow for bias to, to enter enter into your decision making processes that that are, have inherent and equitable assumptions built into them, so that you can recognize those patterns and bring that 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 level of change to your to every aspect of your work. Samira, as you're building this organization, or you you've built this organization at Hyphens and Spaces, what's next for your organization? What's next for you in this work? What do you want to see? Uh, as a goal for your organization in the next three to five years? What we are finding, or what, are the, what the opportunity is that I'm really excited for is to be able to reach organizations that are, that really just have ch- challenge with funding. Like a lot of the, okay, we're talking about social costs, social justice, sometimes direct service or institutions. They, a lot of times they use every dime actually in producing the, like so reaching the populations that they're trying to reach. And I like respect and appreciate that. And that's where I want their money to go. And you still have situations to deal with because you are dealing with humans. So I want you to still have access to this work. And what we're building and striving for now is to create more programs, courses, opportunities for our organizations with smaller budgets to still have access to really transformational work and not watered down, like actually quality work that you you just have, but in a way that's a little bit more accessible for your work style. So that is really what I'm most motivated and interested in building right now. Then beyond that, I think there's this, I'm sure you know, as a practitioner, this is like ebb and flow of, oh, everybody's focused on social justice issues right now or racial justice or gender justice. And for, because of something happening politically or legally, and then, and then the news cycle changes and then folks are not as interested. So I'm really seeking to, especially for our target target audiences who, again, this is inherent to the work that you do. It's not just like a fad for you that you have like ongoing resources and support to access that whenever you need. And then to also tap into, hey, there's more money available for this because people are paying attention to it so that I can leverage something more quickly. I really want to be like a helpful catcher's mitt for, for those moments. That's amazing. Samira, I want to thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself and your organization and your impact with our audience. I really appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me, Amy. If you've enjoyed this episode, follow Lead at any level on LinkedIn and YouTube. Then join us for Including You video simulcast every Thursday at noon Eastern. Including You can also be enjoyed each week as part of the Living Corporate Audio Podcast Series, available on all major podcast platforms. Learn more at living-corporate.com. Including You is brought to you in part by Lead at Any Level, a boutique training and consulting firm improving employee engagement and retention for companies that promote from within. Lead at Any Level. Leaders can be anywhere and should be everywhere. Learn more at leadatanylevel.com. Lead at Any Level and its logo are registered trademarks of Lead at Any Level LLC. The views and opinions of guests on our show do not necessarily reflect the positions of Lead at Any Level, Living Corporate, or the sponsors of Including You. That's it for this week's episode of Including You. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a comment or a review to help others find us as well. Be sure to join me next week when my guest will be Dr. Ana Maria Lopez Caldwell.